our Bibles. I appreciate the liberty to preach. I appreciate the invitation to come out here and to uh, spend the day with you guys. It was, it's, it's been a real blessing. Uh, while you're turning your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 17, my, you know, when, when I came back from the field this time, my, my wife had to drive me around a lot in Ukraine because my, my license expired and I just could not in that COVID atmosphere get it you know, renewed. And so I came back and it's just like, in, in, the, in the United States, not having a driver's license, I mean, you're in trouble. <laughs> so she kind of made fun of me a little bit, you know, and drove me around, my chauffeur, and then we were victims of, not victims, but, you know, we were targeted for credit card fraud earlier this month, and then it happened again like a week later. Within two weeks, twice it happened. So we went to the bank and trying to get things straightened out, and he asked my wife for her ID, and he looked at her driver's license, and he said, um, this is expired. And so God is so good. Because she's been driving around all over the United States for over a year with an expired driver's license. And we didn't have, I mean, all the way out to Seattle, Washington and back. I mean, and she has not had an accident, hasn't been pulled over, amazingly. Mariel Andretti here. And, uh, and so um, one of the reasons why we didn't get here sooner yesterday was because I said, let's just go try to get you your temps, dear. <laughs> she felt like a teenager yesterday. So that was kind of funny, but uh, we were able to get her temps for us, and we made it here in time, so that was a blessing. And then, uh, and then we, we got into the hotel, and man, our, our, our floor really smelled strange. It really, I was like, man, they need to clean this place or something. <laughs> it's, I, I, I was trying to understand what this smell was. And uh, this morning we were on that, you know those awkward moments in the, in the elevator where people are trying not to look at each other or talk to each other? I mean, it's just... We like to break the ice and just talk to people, you know, and and it makes it weirder whenever they try to ignore you even more, but um, I asked him, I said, uh, did did, did our floor, the fifth floor, did that smell strange to you? And he said, I said, uh, he said, well, no, not exactly. He said, but, oh, oh, oh." he said, you you mean the pot? (laughs) He says, yeah, there was this, uh, a pot convention of some kind that took place, and he's like, the... (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's just fun, amen? <laughs> and now I know what that smells. I mean, it's changed. I'll just say that. I, I, just, I remember the 1980s and what, the way it smelled then. It doesn't smell the same today. Amen. Just kind of loosen you up a little bit, amen? Get the, get the blood flowing, laugh a little bit, and then we're going to get into the book, okay? So let's go to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And then I'd like to just read, not read the whole passage, we'll kind of cherry pick a couple of verses, but just to get things started off, we'll go to 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 29. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness and your mercies. Thank you, Lord, for just, um, Lord, you are the, re- you are the reason uh, that we live and that we breathe, and in you we have our being. Lord, it's in you that we have purpose, we have meaning in life, and Lord, um, it sure is good just to be saved and to know you, Lord. I pray that you'll please bless the preaching of your word this morning. 
Lord, I pray that you would uh, use me as a vessel. Lord, uh, you said that you would give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. And Lord, we know that, that you're, you're, you're in us. We have the Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. But Lord, we, um, we need your fullness of your spirit, the filling of your spirit. And Lord, I, I can't do what needs to be done here this morning, and it has to be you. And so, Lord, I just pray that you'll please hide me behind the cross, that you will give me the words to speak to this congregation. Lord, you know their needs. And Lord, I just pray that you'll bless and that you'll be pleased and that you'll have your way in us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you, we will uh, please be seated. I'm going to give you the condensed version of this message. I usually pray and ask God to give me kind of a message that I feel uh, would be applicable to not just one individual church, but I try to take with prayer, prayerfully take, if you will, the pulse of American Christianity as I travel. And I usually ask God, give me a message that I can preach over and over again, but it is the message uh, for at least for our ministry for the hour. And uh, this is that message this time. I have several. A lot of them deal with, of course, missions. But this one isn't so much dealing with missions as, as you all know that American, uh, America has changed and American churches are changing. Uh, I, I mean, it is real culture shock coming back here and seeing what has happened to my fellow countrymen. And, um, and then trying to, you know, represent uh, overseas has been quite a challenge. And so I would like to uh, preach a message, uh, is there not a cause, this morning, and we're going to maybe take a different look at this passage, maybe a little bit different than you've ever looked at it, hopefully, that it will be something that will be challenging to you, and I'd like to just begin to call your attention to David's words. What have I now done? Is there not a cause? That cause is what I'd like to talk about this morning, and these words that are uttered by David, you know, every once in a while a man utters some words in a Bible in a certain event or a situation, and those words define him. They kind of sum up his, his character, his testimony in the Word of God, and you know, usually when you think of David, the first thing you think of is David and Goliath, Right? And you usually, you think about, is there not a cause? And so, looking at this passage, uh, these words seem to define him. And like Samuel's words, you know, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. I mean, how many of us have prayed that prayer before we read the word of God? You know, that kind of seems to define Samuel. The blind man, you know, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. We've all prayed those prayers. And and so this is like one of those type of situations. And here you have the two armies of, you have the armies of Israel, the army of the Philistines, and they've uh, set the battle in array. And for 40 days, 40 nights, here we have Goliath. He's sending out the challenge. And there's a lot of Goliaths today that are throwing out a challenge, right? We just don't have a whole lot of Davids is the problem. And uh, so here we have David, and David, to me, just seems to be the one guy that stands out above everybody else in this passage. He has something that nobody else has, at least on God's side here, with the armies of Israel. Uh, it seems like the Philistines have a pretty good idea of what's going on. They've summed up the situation. And uh, they've, you know, established a value of what they're doing. But uh, it just seems like God's people just 
don't have it. And the only one who does is David. And the one thing that sets David apart from everybody else is that he has a cause. He was able to kind of sum up the importance of the day. And uh, that cause is kind of what you're meaning. It's purpose. It's what keeps you going. It's what, you know, gives you a reason for getting up in the morning and going to that job. Amen. And, and just staying with God's will for your life. It's having that cause, that purpose, that meaning in life. And I just want to ask you this morning, uh, do you have a cause? What is your reason for living this life? And life is a serious thing. It goes by very quickly. I hope that you're using and spending your time, that you value your time, and that you're spending your time on things that have true, true meaning. And having a cause will give that to you. But so let's take a, a, maybe a reverse look at this and we look at David who had the cause, but then we look at the rest of the army of Israel who did not have one. So we're going to look at this passage negatively and look at the symptoms of a life with no cause and contrast that with David and see how our, maybe what we can get this morning and how we can maybe kind of up our, you know, our Christian discipleship and our walk with the Lord. And just be better. Amen? Just be better. Just do a little, be a little bit closer to the Lord. Maybe a little bit wiser. Maybe a little bit more humble. Amen? Cleaner. Clean's good. Amen? More useful. More fruitful. You know, that's what he said. It's like a job of a pastor is to see those that aren't really bearing fruit. And to try to, hey, come on. There's things we can do after the church service today. Maybe you had no plans to go out there and go to this fair and be a witness for Jesus Christ, but maybe you could enter the ranks of 30% fruit. Amen. And maybe you're already bringing forth 30, and maybe you can just grow a little bit more and get to 60. And maybe you can reach your full potential in Christ 100%. Wouldn't that be great if every Christian on the planet was bringing forth a hundredfold? It'd be a different world, I think. So go back to verse 1. And we'll go through these kind of quickly. I won't comment a whole lot because my time is almost up. Verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to, the, uh, to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Azekah in Ephesdamim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. Now notice that they set the battle in array, but nobody really was serious. Nobody really showed up to fight. Okay, and so I see here that the first symptom is just living a life according to the outward appearance. There's so many people concerned about selfies and their, 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 their Facebook page and how things look out there instead of what really is going on and what God truly sees is going on in here and in here. Amen? And hopefully you don't have that kind of a problem, but if you do, I mean, David is contrasted with this and in verse 28... What does David do in verse 28? 
And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left uh, with those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. David is the only one who's doing something. He's the only one that has a cause, and he's the only one getting criticized. (laughs) That cause will help you overcome the criticisms of this world. All this brainwashing by the news media that's going on against Christians and against Christianity. You gotta toughen up. Amen? Stand against it. Show them it's not true. I know about propaganda. Man, the Soviets had it down. When you get saved and you come to our church, buddy, you come out. You've got to stand against all that propaganda. Verse 3, And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. So, the fighting usually takes place in the valley, right? And these guys set up camp, and they're standing far away from the action. They're playing it safe. And that's what we're seeing. Even amongst the new recruits, in ministry. It's like this generation wants to have everything just right before they're going to do something for God. Far away from any kind of maybe danger. Living too safe, not taking any risks. That's a life of really no cause, no purpose. I mean, when did the gospel of Jesus, when did it ever become popular and comfortable to, to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ? When has that ever been? I mean, the United States has been one of the, what a blessing. I heard a preacher once say, you know what? God gave the Israel to the Jews. And he says, I just think he gave the United States of America to the church. For this age, anyways. I mean, there's no country like America sending out missionaries and getting out Bibles like this country. No wonder we have a fight on our hands. David had a purpose. He took risks. Look at verse 11. Another thing that will define a man in verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Fear. Fear is a symptom of a life with no purpose, no cause. Always afraid. Afraid of standing out. Afraid of being misunderstood. You know, you're going to have to take risks. Sometimes you might even lose a friend. You'll be misunderstood. But it's just some of the, you have to do it. I mean, do you really want to face the Lord or even face that man or that neighbor or that family member having never told them, not not even attract? Right before they look at you, you before they go off to hell? I don't want that on my hands. Amen? Amen? Fear. There's a lot of different kinds of fear. Fear of failure, you know. There's the fear of man. There's the right fear, the fear of the Lord. And the right kind of fear comes out of love. Not afraid that he's going to, you know, strike me with lightning. But afraid that I might just displease him. Amen. The right fear that a child of God should have should be born out of love. It took me a while. I mean, I got six boys, 
and I really didn't have much of a dad to look to as an example. He was a hard worker. He did teach me to work. He was tough and taught me a little bit to fight, stand up whenever you're, everything is just saying run, <laughs> you know, that fight or flight thing. But, uh, you know, among other things, but yeah, uh, I was trying to figure out how to be a dad. And then I realized the power of a smile and power of praise. You know, I kind of figured it out by that time. And boy, I would just look at Christopher and I would just, oh, Christopher, that is so good. Oh, that is such a blessing. That's a good job. You know, I'd always look at him and I'd always smile. And he'd always look at me and he'd always smile. But then whenever he would do something wrong, I would just contort my face and I'd, you know, just bad, Christopher. And he'd look at me, Daddy, smile. You know, we need to be that way with the Lord. We want his smile on our life. Amen. Verse 16. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. And what that means is that army, they gathered themselves together. They put on their armor. They looked good. They marched in place. They had a routine down. And they were just going through the motions day after day after day. They stood where the captain told them to stand. They went back home whenever they were told to go back home. They tucked their their tails. And they marched home. Defeated. Every day just going through the motions. And they were all could just say, you know, I'm just doing what I was told. I've talked to former KGB agents. Yeah, we persecuted Christians, but I was just doing what I was told. I'm sure the Roman soldiers were just doing what they were told. God save us from just dead routine that robs us from a life with no cause, going through the motions. Look at verse 20, and we're almost done. Verse 20, and David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench, and the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. So, I mean, this army looked serious. You know, if you saw them on the mountainside, their armor was gleaming. They were all in their ranks. They were organized and disciplined. They showed up. And then, what, and then the guy said, you know, the captain says, okay, boys, let her rip. And it went, amen. Like, you know, sometimes you get in some church services. There's a shout in the camp, and it's good whenever it's there. But nobody was really serious. Just empty intentions, empty words and intentions. They shouted it out for a fleeting minute, and then the rest of it was just, well, what they were talking about in verse 25. This is after the shout was done, and they're just kind of standing there waiting for somebody to do something. Everybody's talking. You know what they're talking about? Talking about tax exemptions, talking about how to advance their kids, and all of the uh, you know the, the the benefits that they can get financially if somebody would just do something. And then verse twenty four, we see them being a victim. And so I just like to end up this message with this: Philippians chapter one and verse twenty one. I thank you for your time this morning.
You know, I had a young man down in Fort Worth, Texas. Somehow he got, well, I know how, but he got a hold of this message. He called me up and said, Brother Rue, I just got saved a couple of weeks ago. I listened to this message, and he said, I have just become obsessed. He said, I've listened to it six times. He said, I want to drive to you. I forgot how many hours. It was like a 12-hour drive for him. From Fort Worth, Texas to Cincinnati. He said, I just want to take you out for a steak dinner, and I just want to talk to you because I haven't had any purpose in my life. And he said, and I started online talking to other people, and even unsafe people, and we're realizing that the, our, our young generation, they're, they're, we're seeing in society these symptoms, it's because no one has a real cause. They don't have a real meaning to their lives other than just consumerism and entertainment, you know, and you know, hormone thrills, testosterone, or what do you call it, junkies. And it gets old. You know what? There is no one like the Lord Jesus Christ. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. And buddy, you talk about being a junkie. I got to have it. Amen. I got to have him. (laughs) He did for me what nobody else could do. He gave, gave meaning and purpose. And then as you go along your life, you begin to see that God blesses it and uses it. You know, we've seen a lot of churches dry up over there. We've seen missionaries pour 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years of their lives into a church, and this war came, and it's gone. And then there's ours, ours still over there. And maybe, it, maybe next month it'll be gone. But right now, all these years invested, we're seeing this was their time to shine. All those hours, all of that stuff that we went through. My wife, you know, hemorrhaged during a miscarriage and I had no car to take her to the hospital. Banging on the door, trying to ask them to please open up and save my wife's life. Stuff like that. Stuff that you don't really talk about too much. But afterwards you see that life has meaning if you have Jesus Christ. Do you have have purpose in life? Do you have a cause? Paul had it. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, and I want to turn it over to the pastor with this. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if you'll just put Jesus Christ first this morning, if you'll just say, okay, Lord, my life is for you. And if you'll just make that step And that job and your marriage, where you live and all these little things, it all kind of just makes sense. And then it all kind of, everything you do, you do heartily as unto him. And he makes all the difference. Thank you this morning for listening. Thank you for your patience and for the liberty. Pastor, would you please come?